you can't see from my perspective, but I wanted to share with you this morning. I'll have to embarrass him to go do this. I know the camera people hate this. But James Wilson not only did scripture reading, he did scripture reading using an iPad. That's pretty cool. So good job. That's pretty very good. Hey, um, we love it whether you're using a paper Bible or electronic Bible, as long as you're in the Word. That's powerful. Uh, James is also on Twitter. You can at him, at James. No, I'm just kidding. Be a while before James get there, but maybe we'll get there. Baby steps. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, this year is such an exciting year, and I know that nearly every sermon I review this verse, but could you, could you humor me for just a minute? Would you turn there in your Bible or or scroll there like James uh, to John chapter 8 verse 12 just so that we might not lose the meaning of the scripture that's been the basis for our entire year. Everything that we're doing is based on what Jesus said about himself. John chapter 8 verse 12. I always just sounds like angels angels fluttering their wings with those pages flipping. uh, It's a wonderful thing. As we follow along, I'll read for you from my translation. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus would go on to testify concerning himself that he is the light of the world Indeed, he is our only hope of heaven. And so we come this morning, not just praising and worshiping, but we come to the light of his presence and his glory and his majesty. Now, as you think about the power and the meaning of that verse... I want to point you to the, some of the projects that we've been doing. Every We've got these four different ministries that we're partnering with through this year. And the goal is, as we've said before, that we allow ourselves, much like that window up there, to, to not shine that light ourselves, but to be a conduit through which the light shines through. And as we do good in our church family, in the community, uh, all over the world, it's his light shining in us. The one uh, ministry we're going to share this week will be from the soup kitchen. A few weeks ago, some of our teens uh, went over to the soup kitchen and there they did a lot of great work. They helped out and they sorted and organized and they cleaned. Wait, did they? I don't know what Laura's doing there. I guess she's organizing in some form or fashion. Uh, (laughs) They did some cleaning. They just helped out as many of you have done. Uh, I believe Kaylee Decker, oh, there's Laura again. Well, look at Laura. Kaylee Decker even shared some of her talents, uh, entertaining the crowd that had gathered with her musical abilities. And by the way, here is a picture, I think, of the refrigerator that you all helped to purchase. Uh, Raymond Williams and some of his crew helped get that loaded in. So not only has it been purchased, but it's in and currently uh, working and running and being a great blessing to uh, the folks at the soup kitchen. So thank you to those of you who have been a part of that, whether you've donated uh, time or treasure, whether you've you know cleaned or helped, organized, sorted, whatever you've done. Uh, and if you haven't yet participated with the soup kitchen ministry, but it's kind of something that rings your bell about feeding the the poor and the homeless and and just helping in that process of serving those who, like Ken mentioned this morning, are probably 
toward the bottom of the list in life. Um, if that's something that rings your bell, I want you to uh, to encourage you to contact uh, Elroy and Marie Christie. And I've had Elroy stand before, but I'll just go ahead and have him do it again, uh, just so you know who he is. And then there's his cell phone number. He told me uh, that you could put, I could put that up there if you promise not to abuse it. Okay, just. But if you have questions, thank you, Elroy, and you'd like more information, you want to get signed up, but you're unsure of how to do that and get connected, you'd like to make a donation, anything like that, Elroy would be the gentleman to call, and you can just take a picture of that slide, and you'll have it in your repertoire there. I'm very excited for our sermon series. This is the second week of the series called Call Out, and we're focusing on prayer, which is, as we said last week, really a part not just of Northside's DNA, but of the church worldwide. We are called to be a people of prayer. We, we talked about last week how uh, that's just a part of our DNA, a part of our spiritual legacy, if you will. When we look through the book of Acts, we see so many people who are... Uh, engaged purposely and powerfully in the magnet, in the uh, uh, opportunity to pray and not just pray individually, but to pray together. Now, with each lesson on prayer, I'm giving you a challenge. And if you haven't figured it out already, they're going to be all around this idea of fasting. Now, this past week's uh, challenge was to fast on from food so that you might focus on God. And I went on Facebook and I asked Some people, if they would message me privately, uh, the word says, of course, Jesus said that when you fast, you're not to make a big deal out of it. It's not for public show. And so I wanted to be sensitive to that. But I also wanted to share some experiences that people shared. So uh, this is all anonymous. You don't know who these people are. But uh, one lady said that she had fasted this week for two meals every day, which I think is amazing. And she was used that time to pray for Two members of her family that are going through a very difficult time and a precious Christian lady, a precious sister in Christ. And so she used that time to devote herself to praying to the Lord and praying on their behalf. That's wonderful. Another person who came or shared and said that they fasted one morning and they used that time that the normal routine of that morning was cleaning. And so they had not only to fast, but also to exert a bunch of energy while cleaning. But she shared that it was a tremendously focused time on the Lord. And she was learned a lot of powerful lessons just through the simple act of cleaning and about the cleaning that God does in us and through us in Christ. And so it was powerful. It was, uh, it was um, uh, just a, a wonderful testimony, and I appreciate uh, them sharing that with me. And then what, the last one that was shared was from one that I had in my inbox and I'll share it uh, in its entirety. I tried the fasting thing. I decided to fast from sugar for a day rather than missing a meal because for me, that is harder. The idea was that every time I thought about wanting sugar, I would direct my thoughts toward God and pray. I'd like to report that I came away from the day with a lot of quality prayer time, and I did have a lot of prayer time. But unfortunately... What happened was also a lot of crankiness and a bad attitude about having to to continually deny myself. It was not an enjoyable day, and many times my attitude got in the way of my spiritual intimacy that was intended to take place. And those around me even suffered because of my inward struggle. But later, 
the Lord used it to seriously open my eyes about how very undisciplined my life is in general. How the world I have created for myself is so posh. How I never feel any reason to tell myself no or have any measure of self-control over my thoughts and my actions. If sugar can ruin that time with the Lord, then I was aware that I need to seriously work on my heart to beat my body, to make it my slave. Any area that is not under Christ's control, Satan will take control of. And I watched that happen this week. I appreciate uh, the person who shared this, their uh, authenticity and bringing uh, just that experience. And several of you asked and said, you know, because of health reasons, I'm unable. I have to take medicine. I have to take food with that. That's fine. Uh, we're going to have other fasting opportunities as we'll go on to explain today. I won't forget it was months ago. I was coming up to the church building early. I had several things to do that day. It just was a day where I needed some focus time. Um, and my daughter, Grace, who's six, she asked if she could come up with me. The task-oriented side of me, though I love my daughter deeply, I didn't want her to, to go with me because I was worried about the, all the things I wouldn't get done if she was there. And that's hard for me to say, but that's a con- confession that I tell you I struggle with honestly. And when I tried to explain to little Grace that I really didn't think that would be a good idea, and I said, besides Grace, what would you possibly want to do in the boring church office? There's nothing to do there. There's not any good toys, not since my youth ministry days. There's nothing for you to do there. And she said, that would be fine, Dad. I just want to be with you. Grace's attitude toward me is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Do do you remember as a young child just wanting to be with your mom or dad wherever they were? And it didn't really matter what they were doing, and I'm quite sure you were probably in the way when you were doing it. But there's that desire as a child to be in the presence, especially of our fathers. As we talk about the prayer this morning, what I'm going to talk about is this idea of the prayer of adoration. That we come to God with not thinking about what do I need. Not focusing on what I can get from God. Not, not uh, doing anything else but adoring fully His presence. Just to be where He is. There's a song that goes that way. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. As we come to God in prayer, this week I want to encourage you to focus on the adoration of your God. There's two ways to do that. And we're going to, the first way is something that anyone can do. 
believer or not. In fact, I think it's something that God has intentionally designed to get in the way. There is nothing that you can see, hear, touch, taste, or smell that doesn't belong to God. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that you see, touch, hear, taste, or smell was created by him. And you say, well, tell me, there's synthetic products. There's, there's man-made things. Yeah, but where did they get the materials to make those things? From that which God has given us. And even more beyond the created world, he knit you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And from the moment that you were knit together in your mother's womb, you were created in his image. Given his eternal essence and given a a mouth that was formed by him, lips that were carved out by him, eyes that were designed by him with um, thoughts from a mind that he created neuron by neuron. Every part of you, every part of creation praises him, whether you want to or not. Can, can you just for a minute humor me and take your hand, your right hand or your left hand, and just find your pulse? Um, if you don't find it, there may be a problem. You might want to get an usher or something. As you feel that rhythm of the blood pulsing in your veins... Perhaps you could consider that every single beat of your heart is a gift from God. Every single breath that you take is His. And it's, it's all creation. We see this not just in the beating of our pulse, in our breath, but as we look around, every part of creation praises Him. If you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 104, we're going to look at a psalm that does this very thing, that looks around at everything God has created to focus on one thing. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. 
The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the hyrax. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed a frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. I said earlier that praising the Creator is something that everyone can do. I think that all creation, as Psalm 104 says, points to His glory and His majesty and His power. On Monday, when you, like people, millions of people all over this country, looked up, whether you, hopefully you didn't look at it directly, but if you did, you're still enjoying the eclipse. (laughs) But as you looked up through your glasses and you watched the magnificent sun be blocked out at midday, did you feel a little small? Hopefully you did. But when you looked up and, and you saw the, not just the power and the majesty of what was happening with, between the sun and the moon and us, but it should have caused you to reflect how precise the universe is. I watched a tape 
of uh, an old newscast, uh, Walter Cronkite. That's the way it is. And he was recording the last time a solar eclipse occurred in the United States. It was 1977. And in that year, as he reported what was going to happen and showing the pictures of all the people, he said the next time that this will happen in our country will be the year 2017. I'm not sure if Walter realized it or not, but he was not only right, but but he, he could have been even more precise than that. He could have said in 1977, it'll be the month of August. It'll be on the day of the 21st. It'll be depending on where you are at this exact minute. The moment that the moon touches the visibility of the sun will happen at this second. Isn't that amazing? That God creates a universe that functions so reliably that we can tell 40 years in advance exactly. And we can look 40 years from now and say, when will the next eclipse be and where will it be? All creation sings to the praise of God. Romans chapter 1, Paul wrote that... The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made. So that men are without excuse. I hope that as you looked up at the sun, it causes you to reflect not just on how small you are, but on how great God is. Can you join me this morning as we read another psalm where David looked around at the created world and he praised his creator? Let's read together from Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. In all of the earth, you have set out your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise when I consider your heavens, the works of your hand fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels, than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the field and birds of the air, the fish of the sea and all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord. Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, as we, as David marveled over God's creation, and that's a natural thing to do, we see his glories in everything. Whether you're standing at the edge of the ocean with the foam just touching your feet, whether you're in the forest and, and hear the silence and the stillness and the beauty There within his creation. Or maybe when you are standing at the top of a mountain. I remember back in youth ministry days when we would go just as Mike and the teens did to teen camp. 
There were two pretty big hikes, actually one really big hike called the Big Hike, and one less than big called the Sunrise Hike. The Big Hike took most of the day, a few hours to get up to the top, and you'd huff and puff and sweat and whine and complain, and the adults got me through that for the most part. But then you'd get to the top, and there'd be a few more boulders you'd have to climb. And so they'd only let a certain amount up at any one time. And you'd crawl, and you'd put your hands in the crevices, and you'd pull yourself up, and you'd get on top of these gigantic boulders, and you would look out, and it was like you could see forever. This may surprise you, but this group or a group like this would always get really quiet when it came time to see the glory and the power and the majesty, not of God, mind you, but simply of his creation. If God's created world, broken as it is, you see, this world isn't as it was supposed to be. Uh, So a few people down in Houston will talk to you about how creation is not always beautiful and majestic. It's destructive and can really upend lives and people can lose their lives because of it. That's the brokenness of our creation. If our created world, broken as it is, can still inspire in us such awe and majesty, how much more than our creator You see, some people stand at the top of the mountain or stand at the edge of the ocean or in the middle of the forest and they do the wrong thing. What they do is they begin to revere the creation instead of the creator. They begin to honor their mother earth above their father God. Uh, Let me give you a clue, guys. God's pretty clear toward the end of the New Testament Uh, That this world is not something God intends to save at all. In fact, Peter's quite clear that this beautiful world, with all of its awe-inspiring moments and places, is really nothing but very beautiful kindling. That someday there's a far better place, a far more perfect world, not because of what it is, but because of who is there. So let us not marvel in the wrong direction, but rather when we see the created, that we magnify and honor and glorify and praise our creator forever. I want to give you a second perspective. First, we honor God as our creator. The second way in which we adore God is to pray in adoration of our father. Addressing him as father, I understand, can be difficult for some people. If you had a father who was a hard man, who was cold and cruel, maybe even abusive, I'm sorry. But that doesn't miss the fact that you still understand the impact that he made on your life. And if you were blessed with a God-fearing, Christ-centered father, I hope you praise your eternal father in heaven for that blessing. When we understand the impact our father makes, our earthly father, how we both fear him and love him, how we long for his presence as grace longed for mine, as we understand that our lives are just never the same without him in it. So when Jesus, when being asked, 
how to pray and in endeavoring to teach us how to pray in Matthew chapter six. He says, when you begin prayer, begin in this way. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Matthew 6, verse 9, he said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yes, he's the maker of heaven and earth. Yes, he is holy and worthy of praise. Yes, he is without beginning or end. Absolutely, he is the great I am. But when Jesus said, coming to him in prayer, adore him as your Father. You see, unless you begin in reverent adoration of your father, your prayer will fall short. Unless you honor his holy name, the rest of of the words will not come as they should. When you confess sins or you express thanksgiving or you intercede for someone in prayer, all of that, it won't be empty, but it will be less than it could be. If you fail to begin with adoration and praise of your Father in heaven. Ever done that? You ever just had a prayer of adoration? You didn't ask God for anything. You didn't complain about anything. You didn't try to make suggestions to God about certain things. But instead you just took a posture of the heart that adored your Father. This morning, I want to call us to do that. I've asked Clayton McCullough to lead us in a prayer of adoration. And I want to ask you as much as you can to take a posture of adoration of your father. Clayton. Let's go to our father in prayer. O glorious, holy, and majestic Father, we bow at the foot of your throne this morning. We bow recognizing your majesty and holiness of our God and our Father. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have adorned praise. Taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed. Blessed is he who takes refuge in you. I will extol you, O Lord, at all times. Your praises will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Lord, we come this morning. We come with a prayer of adoration. We come recognizing you as our as our God, as our Father, as our Creator, as our Rock, as our Salvation, as our Shelter, as our Fortress, and as our Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You have made us a little lower than the heavenly beings and have crowned us with glory and honor, all of which are gifts to us, 
when we recognize you as God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. We will praise you, O Lord, at all, all of our lives. We will sing praises to you, to you, our God, as long as we live. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven, earth, the sea, and everything in them. The Lord, who remains faithful forever. You uphold the cause of the oppressed and give food to the hungry. You, O Lord, lift up those who are bowed down. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Your greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glories of your splendor, of your majesty. And we will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome work and we will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyful singing of your righteousness. Your word, O God, is powerful. It shows us the way to live. How can a young man keep his way pure? It's by living according to your word. And the law of your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Lord, we come this morning. We come this morning understanding what true love is because of who you are and what you have done for us. And it is for this reason that we kneel before our Father, from whom your whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray, I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure all the fullness of God. Now to you who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Clayton. May we not forget to adore our Father. And so um, I'm going to give you a couple of ways, a few ways to do this this week, and I hope that you'll take me up on this challenge. First, I want you to adore Him. I want you to adore Him in the stillness. Malachi chapter 2 verse 20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, I, I know that there's a scripture, and I even know there's a song that goes with it. And it sort of had to do with, like, if we weren't absolutely physically and verbally quiet, that we weren't ready to worship God. But 
You need to understand that being still has more to do with the heart and the mind than it does with the mouth. That we can be in a posture of prayer, perfectly silent and not adoring him. So this week, may you do, as the psalmist said in Psalm 4610, to be still and know that I am God. Second, to adore what he has done. Consider his works. Now, again, that's not to push us toward focusing on just what God can do for us. But it helps us to understand his power, his glory, his majesty when we think of what he has done. Moses praised God for the delivery from Egypt. Hannah praised God for bringing him her a son. May we not forget what God has done in your life. And finally, dwell on him. And this is the scripture that James read for us from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. But who am I? Who are, I'm sorry. Praise be to the you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. May we adore God. And hopefully these three ways are others, I know. But just this week... I want to ask us to intentionally and purposely focus on adoring his name. So here's your challenge. This week, I want you to fast from the distractions. I want you to fast from what I call the media. Uh, Try going with the week without watching television. You say, well, I don't watch that much TV. Okay, Netflix breath. Uh, This, the screen is still a screen, okay? Fasting from the screen time is what I'm talking about. Television, movies, phone, iPad, etc. You say, I know, but I want to connect with James on Twitter. You're going to have to wait a week for that, okay? Perhaps try fasting from your smartphone for a day. Make it into an old-fashioned dumb phone and just use it for calling or texting. Stay off the apps uh, and just let it not be as much of a distraction as it is or put it in airplane mode. Or maybe if you can't do it all day, practice a no screen time family hour from five to nine o'clock each evening. No screen time, no phones out, no iPads on. And let's use some of that time to adore our father together. All right. Well, heaven is all about the adoration of God. If you don't adore God... You don't want to go to heaven. Here's what John wrote concerning that great place. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they said, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard from every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb 
be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. If that is what you want to do, if that is your idea of a perfect eternity, then that's you've got the idea in mind. But if there's a problem with adoring God, your father, if there's a distraction, maybe you forgot who he is and all he's done. If maybe you aren't even in Christ and you're not ready to step into eternity to praise him forever. If you have that need, if you're ready to make him Lord, if you're ready to step into eternity and to praise him with the hundreds upon hundreds of thousands and millions of creatures forever and ever. If you're ready to do that, then you need Christ. Christ is the only way into heaven. He is the way, the truth and the life and no one gets to the father but by him. Or if you've been in Christ, but you've allowed yourself to be distracted and you need our prayers or encouragement, if we can help you in any way, myself and our shepherds will meet you down front. Whatever the need might be, please come now as together we stand and sing.